Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated to helping you create a life, a purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. I'm grateful today to have a special guest. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kellen. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And we had a chance to visit just uh, before, just for a few minutes. And I want to ask you a question. The first thing I want to ask is, you said something in our little conversation that I want to start with. And it is, you discovered a deep, in, in your personal development journey, and we'll talk about all that in a minute. But you said you discovered that you can't do, uh, perform any better than or do any more than you're not sabotaging in your heart. I want you to tell me why you said that and what that means. Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know about you, but I'm yet to meet a human being who wakes up in the morning and says, today I'm going to fail in something. <laughs> I just have not met one. I haven't met anybody who's striving to feel like a failure. And I honestly have not met anybody who has not felt like a failure, at least at some point in their life. So then it kind of makes you ponder if none of us want to fail and yet all of us fail consistently. What is that knowing doing gap? You know, what is that knowing doing gap? What is defining that? And we can say human factor. And I wanted to dig deeper and say, what is human factor? What makes me a person who wants to succeed, but yet fails? And through years of client work, I've identified that you know, yes, we know that only seven or eight percent of our decisions and life are completely controlled by our conscious mind. And that's a beautiful thing that the 92 are controlled by subconscious, because I know if I was left to my own judgment to remember to breathe to remember to circulate liters of blood, to remember to divide and subdivide cells, I would get a little overwhelmed. So we're beautifully controlled by our subconscious mind that is breathing us. And yet there are things that are programmed into it. There are things that are programmed by our genetics. You know, in the Bible, it says the curses and the blessings extend for seven generations. Isn't that interesting that now the DNA science says, huh, we can track DNA seven generations back. Then we become a part of common consciousness. So we know that genetically we're programmed for some things. For some things, not only in our eye color, but for our patterns of thoughts and feelings. So if I have a grandfather who would build successful businesses only to lose them, there's a genetic imprint into my DNA that if I build something successful, it's just a matter of time before I lose it. It's fascinating. So not knowing that deep subconscious programming, just like you don't necessarily know parts of your genetics in terms of disease, especially if you're adopted, you don't necessarily know what the limitations within you 
that sabotage you against your better judgment and your better desires. So that's absolutely fabulous. And, you know, there was a time not very long ago where someone would say, you know, what grandpa did with his business didn't didn't get in his DNA. But now with epigenetics and we understand that DNA gene, gene expression has very much to do with circumstances and choices. And, you know, people like, you know, Lipton wrote the book on biology of belief and all of the rest of it. We know that absolutely the expression of genes is affected dramatically by circumstances, beliefs, and things that happen to and around us. So that is a fabulous place to start when people are saying, why am I failing when I keep telling myself I want this, that, and the other? Now I want to go back to how you got uh, into what you're doing. You told me a little bit of a story about your own uh, business and how you built it and, and everything else. So tell me, tell me again, tell our listeners about a little bit about you. Tell us about how you got to be uh, where you are now and then went into what you actually do. But how did you get here? You know, I, uh, I want to answer this question by using a, probably the example of that subconscious program that we're talking about. So I'm Ukrainian. And in the Ukrainian anthem, the very first line of the anthem is Ukraine has not died yet. Isn't that fascinating? That in my blood, in my song of my people, there is a program we haven't died yet, which translates to, but we certainly have to be fighting for our freedom always. So that is who I am genetically, right? Ukrainians don't surrender well. We see it daily. And yet I'm the chick that, that teaches on the concept of surrender right now. So that's the journey. The non-surrendering genetics, learning to surrender to divine will. So I grew up in Ukraine in the former Soviet Union. When you had no external choices whatsoever, I didn't get to choose which science to take in school. I took all of them. I didn't choose who to vote for. I had one name in two boxes. And if I chose no instead of yes, I was given a chance to reconsider. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you have no external choices whatsoever, you have a luxury of learning about freedom because you understand that what you feel internally is your one domain and control. What you think internally is something nobody can touch. So I'm grateful for my upbringing because being so stripped of external expression, it invited me to focus on my internal world and doing that relentlessly and living from that place has led to a life on incredible miracles. You know, in Ukraine, in the Soviet Union, you couldn't leave the country without a visa allowing you to exit, which means nobody could leave the country. And I was a dreamer. I wanted to see countries. So I always tell people, I stood on the Great Wall of China in my mind 20 years before I stood on the Great Wall of China. So that's the path. The path is growing up with no access to freedom, finding freedom within, living joyfully in that place, and then witnessing miraculously how all these dreams started becoming reality. And then sitting down and saying, how in the world did I do this? What is the mechanism of going from dream state to reality state? I refer to myself as possibility coach 
To me, manifesting is taking a possibility and turning it into reality. And so having broken that down and applying it first to real estate while homeschooling my children, traveling the world, sobbing every night, I should say, incredibly shy person. <laughs> that's a whole other story. That's that's the underpinning of the success. And then learning that while I teach success principles, I am really not giving people the fullness of it because I have no access to what their internal fears are. And then being eager to find those fears, shift them, is how the company was born. So that is uh, just several things like, wow. So we're going to dig into that. Uh, the first piece, and I'm just repeating a little of it, no external freedom. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but so many people that I, I'm a coach also, you know that. So many people that come to you or to me, or they blame externalities like the economy, this and the government, that and COVID this and somebody somewhere, something out there. And yet your story is one of completely demonstrating how unnecessary that is. You had the limits on your external freedom, your, your internal choices created freedom in your mind, even at the time of those external limitations, which then manifested themselves in truth in the physical world as you were able to realize those dreams. And that, that process right there is the encapsulation of the idea that you create your life. You really do, regardless of those external circumstances. Is that right? I, I think, I think I would agree uh, completely with your beautiful analysis and just add to for integrity of my own soul, co-create your life. I do believe there is a greater creator <laughs> and I believe I get to co-create my life and I think it's very important. And also want to be very clear that, that that process is beautiful. It is true. And it is not effortless. <laughs> you know, that absorbing humanity. I think it's very important for all of us to allow ourselves to be human so that we can surrender that humanity to the part of us that is divine. You cannot surrender something that you deny. So when, when the person is looking at their reality and it is devastating, it's very important to say, this devastating reality is devastating. I have no control over it. Those are true statements. But then most of us stop there and it drains us. But once you validate, my life sucks. It's everybody's fault. I can't do anything about it. Fine. Validate it. Now don't stop there and say, if there was something I could do, what would it be? We've got to bridge safely. For a lot of us, we're invited to a farm, something that we don't align with. If a person is broke, affirming I'm a money magnet is mockery over their divine spirit. So we want to introduce a subtle bridge of possibility. What if there was something I could do today to change the situation for the better. It's all about asking the right questions. You know, there isn't one spiritual text or new age teaching or philosophical psychological teaching that does not in one way or the other talks about, talk about ask and you shall receive. 
But I think we simplify to ask for causes, ask for objects, ask for people. I love to simplify back and say, ask is referring to the question. Einstein said, if you give me an hour to solve a problem, I will spend the first 55 minutes on finding the right answer, a uh, question. Because if I have the right question to ask, it will take me only five minutes to solve any problem. So what I love for a person who is right now at a crossroad to do is to start noticing what questions you're asking internally. Notice what you notice. Are you asking, how could this government do this to me? What else is going to happen that's wrong? What is wrong with him? What is wrong with her? What is wrong with them? Because when you ask those questions, you will receive those answers. If I'm asking you what color you're thinking about, and I'll pause, your subconscious mind is going to give you a color. You were not thinking about it before I asked you. We cannot resist answering a question. So as an immediate step towards this co-creation of reality, reality, ask what is a better question to ask that is accessible to you right now. So if you've not been without a job or you don't, people say, um, I want to know what my purpose is. What is my purpose? It's just wrong question, right? The, the better question would be, what can I do today? Who can I serve today to live my purpose more fully? If you ask, who can I serve right now? Person's name will come to mind, just like the color. If you'll ask, what can I do for them? An answer will come just like the color. So that's fabulous. And I totally agree 100%. Every single person is a divine and intentional creation. And we were given gifts and talents that we have the opportunity to discover and develop. And I love that thought about questions because asking the kinds of questions that you, that you referred to to start with focuses on the externality and ask what we can do. What is the step I can take right now to discover a purpose or to serve or to love someone or to be, you know, valuable in a situation that immediately brings you to something to do or some way to act or how to be in a way that's serviceable and good. So I love that. And I love the co-creation part because <clears throat> we, you mentioned to start with small amount of sub or conscious and huge subconscious, that design is intentional, obviously, which tells us that the co the co in the co-creation is the 92%. And we're only the 8% anyway. So uh, I love that. And that's uh, absolutely there. So thank you uh, for sharing that. Now, I noticed that your company is you to shine and everybody can see that over your, I think, left shoulder, which is wonderful. Tell us, uh, you said you started that company. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do with people when you dig into that questions that they're asking and and helping them see different questions and different possibilities that they can focus on that they can control instead of ones that they can't. I think it's a kind of a path of empowerment, I call it. So when a person comes into, you know, our you to shine family, we help them see where they are in their journey of empowerment for each area of their life. What do I mean by that? We have different areas of our life and we are progressing differently based on our performance in that area. So 
Uh, we can be in survival. We all know what sheer survival is. Our relationship can be in survival, right? Or our finances can be in survival. Our health can be in survival. Then after survival comes stability. After stability comes success and then significance. Now, I once heard Brian Bethini define the steps to it. So I want to give him credit because that's where I heard it. And I've applied it over and over and over again. He said that from survival to stability is a change of habit. And from stability to success is a change of mindset. And from success to significance is a change of heart. So now when you combine the two concepts, the first thing I think is very important for somebody who comes in is to know where they are in their life. Because the destination to where you want to go will be defined by where you are. You know, there's a lot of people saying it doesn't matter where you are, it matters where you're going. And I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm going to New York, getting there from, you know, Delhi will be very different than getting there from Kiev. The direction towards you're going is very important, but it's very important to know where you're starting because a lot of people right now are stuck because they are in survival, but they want to go to significance. And what they've got to do is to move to stability first. They've got to change some habits. Everyone wants to change the mindset. That's fantastic and true. After you have a habit of reading a book for 15 minutes, that will change your mindset. After you have a habit of drinking water that will give you energy and your brain power to absorb the mindset. And so it's very important to know where in your area you are and what level. Once we identify where you are, then we know which tools to equip you with. If you're looking to move from survival to stability, we've got to find some very basic habits that can move the needle, that you know it's possible for you to be in a stable environment. And once you know it is possible to be stable, then we can make it possible to be successful. And then and only then it is possible to be significant. Um, that is the journey that we're taking our clients. And so those subconscious shifts come up first to shift the, the, the patterns of behavior, then shift the patterns of thoughts, and finally to shift the patterns of feeling. So you didn't, um, you didn't fall up this mountain. Uh, the, you know, you're, you're at a place where you're offering help and some very significant, um, the language that you're using is really good. It's clear. People can understand that. And I love the descriptions you're using. You went through some difficult things to climb. You didn't, like I said, you didn't fall up a mountain. You climbed up the mountain. So I'm, I, there's two things I want you to think about, talk about for a minute. One is, is there any other piece of the journey that you want to share about getting up to where you are, and I say up because you climb there. And and the second thing is, what is it in your heart that makes you want to be this person I mean, that mm. shares this? I mean, you could have learned this for yourself and decide you're going to be, you know, happy and stable and s successful and ultimately significant. I'm curious, what is in your heart that makes you, that drives you to do this with the gifts that you have? I think the first answer is, uh -huh. 
it's more of a ridge, less than a, of a top of a mountain. You know, yesterday morning I get up and I don't, I wake up and I don't want to get up. I'm late. It's a true story. I have a 6 a.m. interview. I went to bed very late. I'm in my bed. I'm spewing fire. Why do I have to get up? Right. So when we talk about the, the mindset and the skill set, it's not once and for all. It's a daily invitation. So I'm laying in my bed. I really don't want to get up. My body is tired. I'm exhausted. I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm going to validate it. I'm having a victim moment and I'm loving it. <laughs> Every moment of it. But I understand that the longer I love it, the more I cannot go and do what I have to do. So what do I do? Not how to stay on top of the mountain, but how to get up every time I'm down, which sometimes is twice a day, <laughs> sometimes 100 times a day, sometimes a good week, right? But every time. What happens yesterday, I'm laying in bed and I'm saying, okay, you're complaining that you need to get out of bed. You have a bed. A week ago, you were in San Diego. You saw people on the street. You have a bed. You're upset that you went to bed late. What were you doing? You were playing with friends. You have friends. And this is not a guilt talk. This is gratitude talk. I genuinely first validate every struggle that doesn't necessarily get easier, just that you become a little stronger. And then expand that compassion. I usually name three things, three things I'm grateful for genuinely. And once I understand the luxury of a life I'm given, that empowers me to get up and bring somebody else who doesn't necessarily know how to get up. Now, why is it? Why am I doing that in my heart? I truly can say that professionally, I am at a point of significance in my life where I understand fully and completely that the only thing that matters, the only thing that matters is my capacity to love and lift a soul that feels nobody else who is there to love and lift them. Whether that soul is my puppy, my child, or my client, or myself, or a stranger, it is a very selfish, beautiful thing to do. I receive most joyful fulfillment from bringing hope to somebody who does not feel hopeful or to expanding possibility of a miracle to somebody who's striving for it and feels they're blocked away from it. So I think, you know, Christ said, love thy neighbor as thyself. I just gave myself permission to love myself so fully that I can love my neighbor so fully and to learn that it is when I love my neighbor more that I actually love myself more. And now I'm in this cycle of fulfillment and joyful addiction. So, so you know, that's kind of where I am. And that's the most honest answer I can give you. I love that. And thank you. And, and one of the things that comes to my mind when you say that is people have such trouble having compassion for themselves like truly loving themselves they feel sorry for themselves and you know the drama stuff but a, a thing that i notice is that you can't really love others more than you love yourself and you can go through the motions and you can pretend but the truth is you can't do that and i can't think of a more beautiful way to honor the divinity and truth of your divine creation than to love yourself like, you know, if you imagine that the creator cares about us, loves us, then 
loving yourself would be a, an absolute powerful and honorable way to treat yourself because of, of your heritage yeah. and who you are. Right. You know, so, that, Kellen, go ahead. But, oh, sorry, sir. No, I was going to say what came to mind is that over the last, especially couple of years, you know, I think if you look at us as humanity for centuries, we've been so forcefully love somebody else at self-sacrifice and that pendulum swung so far that people lost the knowing of who they are individually because it was not service it was forceful duty driven self-exhaustion and self-sacrifice which is different from service and now the pendulum is swinging back and you have all this movement of you know of self 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 at cost of all and I think it's beautiful to know that there isn't one without the other, that love just is, that love just is. And when you are present to creator's love fully and completely, you then love you and others. And quite frankly, all of life, those are moments to treasure. <laughs> the gorgeous serendipities of life. But the second you put on the scale, right? Am I self-sacrificing because I love somebody more? If you're self-sacrificing, you don't love them. You're creating a pattern of resentment <laughs> towards them to justify your hidden inability to say yes to you. I had a coach in real estate. Her name was Gail Pillian. Uh, greatest gift I've ever received from somebody. You know, one of the very first coaching sessions we're talking and I'm telling her, I have difficulty saying no to other people. And she said, oh, no, no, no. You say no all the time to the few things that are most important. Because every time you say yes to someone or something, you're saying no to everything else. So you're great at saying no. A person who says yes all the time has mastered saying no. Because they say yes only to one thing and no to everything else. The most profound teaching you know, for me as a human being. So I had to say, huh, going forward, if I'm saying a yes, is this the best and highest yes? Can I say yes to something better that grows me and serves humanity in a better way? It's a, not an easy skill to learn. But for anyone who's finding it hard to say yes or no, it's such a gorgeous invitation to just say, okay, just today, just today, I'm going to watch my yes is a no. And I'm going to make sure that my yes is a yes with no resentment. And my no is no with complete courage and freedom. It'll be a gorgeous day. I love that. And thank you for sharing that because it's true. And we, we have this illusion of multitasking and trying to do everything for everybody all at the same time. And the truth is we can't, number one, we can't do that. And number two, when we try, all we do is a bad job at all the things we do part of. And so, you know, that's a wonderful thing. You can only say yes to one thing and you're actually saying no to everything else. So I want uh, people to be able to, to find you, to find what you do, to find your teaching. You said that you have coaches that work for you. You said that you have an app and uh, different things that you've created in your effort to be of service. To I call it add good to the world. So you're busy adding good to the world in your way. And I want you to tell us how that is and where people can find you or find out about uh, maybe the books you've written. You've said you've written several of those. So talk about that. Yeah, I, I guess I have two beautiful invitations based on someone's patience level. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know for me, for me, I've had to develop the virtue of patience. So if you're a person who loves deep study and you're patient and you have two hours of life to invest into your spiritual growth and development, I have an amazing free masterclass. It's at manifestmiracles.me. If you go to manifestmiracles.me, there's a two-hour free masterclass where through different exercises, uh, energy modality shifts, and practical application, you get to rewire your brain to harmonize your six mental faculties. Most of us don't even know what it is. So if you want to find out, you can go to manifestmiracles.me. No, no strings attached. <laughs> if you're a person who wants quick results... <laughs> Go to moneyquiz.me. Moneyquiz.me is a great little quiz. When you take it, it tells you what your driving emotion in life is. A good one, not a bad one. What your main driving emotion in life is. And then it tells you the three main universal laws that that emotion could help you thrive if you work with those laws. So that moneyquiz.me quiz was created um, following up the Prosper Me book, one of my latest book, Prosper Me, the 35 Universal Laws to Make Money Work for You. And because there are 35, and because once again, not all of us read books from the first page to the last, that quiz shows you which three laws by unlocking you can start practicing abundance in your life. So those two. That's fabulous. And I love the fact that you had one for people that are ready to dig in and one for people that want to do something more quickly. Um, we're just about to the end of our time and I want to give you the opportunity to do two things. Uh, I want to make sure that if someone goes there, is there a place to opt in so they can like get on your email list and that sort of thing too? Yeah. Okay, they will. good. They absolutely will. Okay, good. And the other thing is I want you to give us a final thought and i know people ask people that all the time and i get asked that all the time when i'm a guest on somebody's show so i'm doing that uh, one or two things that would be you know we live in a world of inflation and fear and war and all of these externalities that um, permeate things and weigh us down if we let them so what would you give as a final encouragement or thought to people who are listening to this i want to give a very Practical advice first in just uh, under a minute of questions to ask and when is a very practical tip. And then I want to share a story that uh, drives me every day. So that would be my <laughs> parting words. Practical tip. If your life is going sideways, the question to ask yourself daily is what is the one thing that I can make it that can make it better? What is one thing I can do that can make it better? That's just very simple, practical advice. If your life is thriving and you're successful, subconsciously you might be asking, when will it end? So when things are good, make sure to ask daily, how much better can it get? It's very important. And I can tell you, it's not just about you or me or our world. It can get, it can keep getting better until there's no longer one hungry one uneducated child on this planet. So keep asking, how much better can it get? You know, my book is a bestseller. How much better can it get? My company has made 10 million. How much better can it get? I just got out of bed. How much better can it get? Always, always, always. So those are the two questions that, that will shift your reality. And the story, 
The story has been told in many ways. And I always say, if you've heard the story, you haven't heard my voice sharing it from my heart. So give me a pause because that is, <laughs> that is how I relate to it. And the story starts in 1400s. And in 1400s, there is, um, a sculptor in Italy whose name is Donatello. A lot of people don't know this part of the story, by the way. Donatello is commissioned to carve a sculpture. He's given a huge, huge piece of marble. He studies that marble, and he finds that there are veins through the marble, which in a marble language is, you know, bad marble, will crumble, not workable. So he rejects that marble. So I want you, everybody, to kind of pause and think, have you been rejected? Okay, we've all been rejected at some point. Marble gets rejected. 50 years later, a different sculptor, who we all know by name of Michelangelo, out of that very marble, carves his famous sculpture of David that still stands in Florence. I got to see it with my kids traveling. It's not inside the museum, it's in the open elements. So 500 years later, out of that faulty marble, there stands the sculpture. And so when Michelangelo's contemporaries ask him, how could he possibly carve this magnificent sculpture out of this faulty marble? His answer is the answer that gets me out of bed every day. He says, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. I believe with every fiber of my being that each one of us is that powerful angel. We're just under different layers of marble. And it is an invitation for us to keep carving. Thank you. I want to thank you for being my guest today. I want to thank you for everything you've shared. It's really valuable. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, as we close here, I want you to, to listen to this twice. And maybe more. And I want you to take some notes because she gave you some good questions, some good thoughts and transition modes and all kinds of things. And no matter what you do, don't give up and get the help you need to move forward to create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your feet on